because a lot of times, you know, we are gifted in so many different areas that the Father has given us gifts for. But we fail to steward different areas of our life so that we won't be disqualified when we do speak a word, when we do teach, when we do, um, you know, interpret a dream or interpret a vision, or we do begin to speak about the things that we see in the spirit, we just don't want to disqualify ourselves because there's other areas in our life that are not being stewarded because we just got to be honest. People look at that stuff, and because they look at it, we have to teach about it. Amen, because it's time out for, you know, having apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers, but the character doesn't go along with it, and the the motives don't go along with it, and the lifestyle don't go along with it, because so we, we have to do both. Amen. You ready for me? Amen. Okay, so this is part two. Now, in... Part one, we talked about stewarding your life. We talked about stewarding your eye gates, making sure that you are stewarding what you are looking at, the environments that you're in. And we talked about stewarding your intimacy with the Father, your time that you spend with him because, like I say, it's going to be one of those things that confirms um, when you speak. It's going to be the anointing upon you that confirms when you prophesy to people. It's going to be the, the intimacy and the time that you spend with your father that rests upon you so that when you do speak, the yokes are broken. Um, so that's what we talked about in part one. So tonight, we're going to be talking about stewarding your motives to use the gift. We're going to be talking about stewarding the revelations of the father that he gives to you stewarding the mysteries of the father and stewarding the use of his gifts that he gives towards you amen amen all right let's start first with stewarding your motives to use the gifts. So let me um, also kind of put this out there as a disclaimer. Even though we are talking about the gift of sight, this goes through a thread through all the gifts. Okay, we're talking about the gift of hospitality. We're talking about the gift of administration. We're talking about the gift of uh, speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation, dreams, vision. If it's, a, if it's a gift, that's what we're talking about. So even though we are specifically tonight talking about stewarding your ability to see, I want you also to apply this same information to every gift. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. First Samuel 16, 6 through 7. Talking about first stewarding your motives to use the gift. And it says, so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and his stature. I've already eliminated him. 
God judges, judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. So the first thing that I want you to realize is that motives mean a lot to the father. Motives mean a lot to the father. And we say this because in this particular scripture, Samuel made the mistake of judging Iliad based upon his appearance. But we also realize that this was the same mistake Israel made about their first king, which was Saul. They made the same exact mistake. So he looked the part, Saul did, he looked the part, but he didn't have the heart that a king should have for the people of God. So when we talk about stewarding your motives to use the gifts, it is similar to, you know, the whole issue with making sure that um, when you give cheerfully. He's, he doesn't care about the amount as far as what you give. He's looking at the motives. He's looking at your heart behind what, when you're giving. So this can be um, one of those things where, you know, somebody can, for instance, even though, like I say, I'm, I'm using examples, like I say, concerning prophesying, this goes all the way across the board to teaching and evangelizing and pastoralship. So, um, one can see so accurately, one can see, um, and be able to deliver a message with such clarity, but not have the right heart when they do it. And so you have to watch that. You have to watch your motives even when you speak to people. And a lot of times when I say kind of watch your motive, we always think about something bad. So all the flip side of watching your motives is that, for instance, if the father gives you a word to say to someone, the motive behind that should be the, the unveiling of his heart. The motive behind it should be... Um, um, you just being the vessel and allowing him just to use you and speak through you. It shouldn't be a thing of, okay, um, like I say, this is the flip side of, you know, the negative part of it. It shouldn't be like, you know, um, I'm scared to, to say something. Or, um, you know, God can't use me to do that. You know, God can't use me to say that. You know, when it comes to motives, it's, it's also that flip side that you have to think about. It's one thing not to have the right motive and the right heart behind something, but it's another thing to have the motive of fear also that you can't do it. So we want to watch both. So your motives when you begin to move in your gifts... You should, it should be, like I said, to reveal the heart of the father, to push the agenda of the kingdom, to set the captives free, to glorify your father, and to reconcile people back to his household with the ultimate plan to love. That should be your motive and your only motive when you move in your giftings. And I'll say that again, to reveal the heart of your father to push the agenda of the kingdom, to set the captives free, to glorify your father, to reconcile people back to his household, and to love. And that's whether you're doing, like I say, something in healing, whether you're doing something in deliverance. If this is your motive and this is your heart, then the father is pleased. Amen?
Our next scripture is Hebrews 13 and 5. Hebrews 13 and 5. And it says, let your character, meaning your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money. Shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have, for he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Now, first thing he says is let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Now, why do I bring this up? Because... I bring this up because as you begin to move in your gifting, that can be a stumbling block for you. Especially, to be honest with you, I say I would say more than anything, prophets have this bad. And and I kind of get into this a little bit more, but it's just one of those things that you have to watch out for. For instance, I know that you have seen several things. It might have been on YouTube. It might have been a church that you was going to. And you'll see the prophet of God moving and, and speaking the word and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I need a hundred people with a thousand dollars. Okay. We, we're talking about stewarding your motive. What was your motive behind, you know, when you started prophesying? Okay. With the, now I'm not saying that the father can't drop that on you and say that, but <laughs> it's been so abused. It's been so used. It's, it's just been a thing that people have, I want to say pretty much prostituted their gift in the church. And so you, you got to make sure that your character, he said, let your character be free from the love of money. So the two should not be coexisting in one. Now, t- there's two instances where this actually took over two people in the Bible, and I'm pretty sure there's more examples. But the first one is Judas. Okay? Judas was with them. And even though, as the Bible says, that it's it's the father's business how he want to use a vessel. Okay? That's his business. But at the same time, he gives you a way out of ex- to escape. So what for instance, if if he if he hardened Pharaoh's heart so he wouldn't let the people go, I'm pretty sure he afforded him the grace and opportunity to get forgiven as well. So it's not because a lot of times people kind of use that and say, you know, well, he used them in that capacity. So, you know, you know, he's still saved, you know, because he's the one that turned his heart. Yeah, but he also gives the room for you for grace. It's also to be forgiven. So we have Judas who did it for 30 pieces of silver. And then the other example in the Bible was when the soothsaying girl was following uh, was following Paul. And she was following, now she had the gift of what? Prophecy. But she used, she was exploiting her gift and using it in the town to gain, gain money. 
So she had the same gift as, as, as any prophet in the Bible. But she decided she wanted to use it, not only not use it for the kingdom of God, but she wanted to use it for the kingdom of darkness. Same gifts, different kingdoms. Same gift, different motives. So I'll just say this. (laughs) If you have a price when it comes to your gift, Jezebel will find you. She'll find you. (laughs) And then you'll begin to operate in manipulation. You begin to control the people through that, that spirit. And so that's why it's important that your character be free from that. Because it opens up doors for the demonic realm to come in and then to cause error, to cause people to fall away from the faith. And so we have to be free from the love of money. Amen? Amen. Because you also have to understand that, you know, there, there'll be times as you sharpen your gift and it becomes, and you know, start exercising it, that people will begin to offer you money. Remember in the Bible that he was like, oh, get, get, how did you get this gift? You know what I'm saying? He's like, how did you get this gift? Give it to me so I can do it. But he didn't want it for the right reasons. Amen. All right. Next scripture is Colossians 3 and 23. Colossians 3 and 23. We're still on stewarding the motives to use your gift. It says, work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So the father promises the instance to reward those who have the heart to serve instead of doing it as if man were watching you in order that you may receive something for doing it. So whatever that you do when you're, when you're operating in your gift, do it unto him. Don't do it to, 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 Look all important and, 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 and spiritual and deep. Do it unto him because he's the one that's using you. He's the one that's operating through you. He can definitely use somebody else. So it's one thing to, like I said, to remain um, humble in to the degree that, okay, I'm the vessel that he's using. So I'm going to work it unto him because he's the one who gave me the gift. It wasn't people. Now, he's using me to get to people, but it wasn't the people who gave it to me. So when I work, I work unto him. Because I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. (laughs) I have dual citizenship. I have to have citizenship to be here because of the body that I'm in. But my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. So when we work diligently and faithful, for instance, for the employer... (laughs) And and more than half of the time, they don't even reward us like we're supposed to be rewarded. We're underpaid, understaffed, overworked. But guess what? We're there on time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the supervisors talk to us crazy. We got to do overtime with no pay. But guess what? We're there and we're doing it with excellence. We're looking for promotions and raises and bonuses and increase. You know what I'm saying? We're turning in all of our reports and everything on time. Just what? To get accolades, to say we're doing, we're doing great and so that we can get pushed on to the next level. We do it for them. So what we have to do, we got to translate that over to the kingdom. (laughs) 
Okay, so we got to do everything, every, not to say, you know, we leave that out as far as excellency because you are living a pistol red and known to men. So they watching. So you still operate in excellence, but your excellency should be in all things. You shouldn't have excellence in your career and, and, and not excellency when you do something for the kingdom. Amen. Now. I know this is not a favorable message, but it's necessary because, like I say, as we operate in our gifts, we have to keep these things in mind because it will disqualify us when we do begin to work and, and, and operate in our gifts. We don't want to be disqualified. Matthew 6 and 20. Still talking about stewarding your motives to use the gift. Matthew 6 and 20 says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the Bible talks about all kinds of incentives for the children of God. There's all kinds of incentives of being children of God, but all of them are used best when you steward your motives to use the gifts. For instance, it talks about treasures. It talks about rewards. It talks about inheritance. And it talks about gifts and calling. Now, when it comes to treasures, those the treasures are, just like it said, treasures are things that are stored up in heaven for you. They're also treasures. It talks about we have treasures in these earthen vessels as well. So we have treasures stored in heaven. We have treasures in our earthen vessels, and we have, the Bible says that we have treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When it talks about rewards, rewards are things given for practicing righteousness. When it talks about inheritance, that we are what? Joint heirs with Christ. So because of the what? The seed that is inside of us, things are automatically released to us because not only the seed, there's things that's released to us automatically because of the seed, and it has nothing to do with maturity. For instance, once we enter into that family, once we got that seed, guess what? The blood now covers us. That's automatic. We are what? The righteousness of God automatically. We do have what? All things for life and godliness automatically, but there's only certain things that are released for spiritual maturity when we also talking about inheritance, just as if there were the reading of a will. And there's some things that the kids get automatically. <laughs> then there's some things that are not going to get automatically till they mature. Amen. So when we talk also about gifts and callings, those are the things that like it says, are given without repentance. And we know that. So when it talks about also, um, when I also say gifts, I'm also talking about talents too, because they're kind of interchangeably used in the Bible. So it says that our gifts and our talents will do what? It will make room for us and it gives us the ability to do something supernaturally. When it talks about our callings, our calling deals with the predestined purpose that the Father has for us. It, it, callings, um, lead us to our identity. Our callings lead us to our destiny and our callings lead us to our purpose. 
So when we talk about stewarding the motives to use the gifts, that when you are using the gifts and you're operating in the gifts like you're supposed to and your character is lining up and you're stewarding your eye gates and you're stewarding, you know, the, the revelations of the Father, you're stewarding the mysteries of the Father, he begins to unlock these things for you as well. He begins to unlock the treasures. He begins to unlock the rewards. He begins to unlock the inheritance. He begins to unlock the gifts and the callings as well as unlocking it for others when you do teach, when you do prophesy, when you do evangelize, when you do pastor people. He unlocks it for them as well as you move. Amen. So. Now, the other part about this is when, when you're, you're operating and you're moving and, and you're seeing things in the spirit and you're teaching and you're doing all of these things and you're moving in your giftings, that people will reject you sometimes. They will reject you. So I'm just kind of putting that out there to let you know that when you do say a word, that people will reject you. But through my experience... The best thing to do concerning that is do it anyway. Do it anyways because the thing about about operating and moving when the Father tell you to move or to say something when he tell you to say it or evangelize someone when he tells you to do it, you still get the reward even though they might reject you. Because you were obedient to what he told you to do. It's not your portion to make sure that they receive what you say. Your portion is to be obedient and move as the spirit leads you to move. So don't get discouraged because that will happen to you sometimes. Do not get discouraged when people seem to reject the word from what you say. Because a lot, when, like I say, for instance, when someone has, for instance, um, a teaching gift, sometimes it could be hard to receive something that you've never heard before. But does it mean that it's wrong? No. That means that's new wine for that person. So they got to sit with it for a while. They got to study it for a while. It may need to be revealed to them that this is true. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong. When you're prophesying to people and you might tell them, you know, I see you getting married next summer. And they thinking, I ain't got my mind on a man. It's, it, you know, does that mean that it's not going to happen? No. <laughs> but you still got to speak it if he say to speak it. Amen. Amen. So. Let's go into number two, which is stewarding the revelations of the Father. Now, all of these are as they are on the equal playing field. They are equally important when we talk about walking in your gifts, stewarding the revelations of the Father. And we're coming from 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 17. 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 17. And it says, we should know this one like the back of our hand. <laughs> Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved. A workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed. Accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all irrelevant babble and godless chatter with this profane empty words for it will lead to further ungodliness. 
and their teachings will spread like gangrene. So it was with Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now, we actually dealt with this scripture earlier in this particular lesson um, where we talked about stewarding, I believe it was um, your gates. And um, we talked about, oh, no, stewarding your life. That's what it was because I talked about, um, what was it? Pretty much um, studying the word of God, um, um, approving your life by the word of God and allowing the word of God to work through your life first so that people can actually see it working in you. So when you do go to use your gift that you don't disqualify yourself. So I did use the scripture earlier, but now I'm going to use the scripture for the top part of this where it literally says study and do your best to present yourselves. God approve a workman who has no reason to be ashamed this part right here, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So now this is where Hymenaeus and Philetus got in trouble. Now, the Bible said that Hymenaeus and Philetus, they began to suffer shipwreck themselves because they were not being led by the spirit in their teachings. They had a history of abusing the word by actually using the law and teaching the law and going back to what Paul said don't go back to so they were not stewarding the revelations that had been given to them in the beginning by Paul himself and they began to teach go back to teaching the law at the Ephesians church where actually Timothy was serving so because they actually began to go back to teaching the law, they began to cause others to fall away from the faith because they failed what? To avoid irrelevant babble. And that's what it was. That teaching of the law was irrelevant babble. It was irrelevant babble because it wasn't helping nobody. It was taking people back into bondage, which the father was trying to actually get them out of. So Paul is like, okay, we got to stop you guys from teaching this because now we have people in the church that's falling away that were believers. And all of this came because they did not steward the revelations of the father like they were supposed to. So stewarding the revelations of the father is given to you by studying, by remaining in the faith, and handling the word of truth, it says skillfully and teaching it. So it's, it's, it's one thing to, like the, you know, the Bible says that, you know, how is it, Paul said, how is it that when you came into God, you started off in the spirit, but now you think that you actually can, can continue this work in the flesh. It don't work that way. If you, if you came in in the spirit, then guess what? That's a continual process. You can't finish anything in the flesh and you started off in the spirit. So when we talk about stewarding the revelations of the father, there's, when a father, for instance, gives you a word to teach, that word has to be stewarded. It has to be studied. It has to be broken down. 
when you are giving a word to somebody, when you're prophesying and moving in your gifts, that thing has to be stewarded correctly. We can't just, you know, okay, hear and then be like, okay, and, and, and kind of blab out anything that we want to blab out because it might be a sensitive topic for that person. We have to steward that revelation. Should I say something right now? Should I tell them later? Um, is this appropriate to say in this setting? That has to be stewarded. Amen. Revelations 1, 1 through 2. Talking about stewarding the revelations of the Father. Revelations 1, 1 through 2 says, This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, his unveiling of the divine mysteries which God the Father gave to him to show to his bondservants, believers, the things which must soon take place in their entirety, and he sent and communicated it by his angel, his divine messenger, to his bondservant, John, who testified and gave supporting evidence to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to everything that he saw in his vision. Talking about stewarding the revelations of the Father. So, the revelations that came through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, came to John, and he did what? He took it, he stewarded the revelation that was given to him. How do we know that? Because it literally tells us right here. Once the divine messenger, the angel, gave it to the bondservant, John, it says he did what? He testified, number one. Then he turned around and gave support and evidence to the word of God. So he backed up what he testified to by backing it up by the word. And then he turned around and backed that up by a testimony for everything that he saw along with writing it down. So you can literally see his stewardship and what was given to him through Jesus Christ, through the angel. So you have to ask yourself, are you reading the word? Are you studying to show yourself approved? Are you rightful in dividing the word of truth? Are are you pouring the word in you? Are you interpreting your revelations by the spirit and the word for accuracy? Are you going back to the Father to ask him more questions about what you have seen or what you have heard? Are you writing the things down that he might have told you to do, that he may have given you a vision for, a dream for? Are you stewarding these things like you're supposed to? Amen. So the next one is stewarding the mysteries of the Father. Now, this is different. Even though it's kind of the same as Revelations, it's not. Okay? Because a lot of times things start off as a mystery, and then it turns into a revelation. So, we're going to come in from 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2. And it says, So then, let us who minister... Be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards, trustees, 
and administrators of the mysteries of God that he chooses to reveal. In this case, moreover, it is required as essential and demanded of stewards that one be found faithful and trustworthy. So we'll deal with the first part of that. So let me go back. So then it says, let us who minister, and that's in all different facets. You minister when you teach. You minister, you know, the apostle ministers, the evangelist ministers. We we minister when we see things in the spirit and we we say what we see. We minister when we interpret dreams. So when it talks about we minister in so many different ways. It says that we are not only servants of Christ, but it says that we are to we are the stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay, now a mystery, like I said, can be a revelation because it starts as a mystery and it turns into a revelation, but it only turns into a revelation for those that seek. It only turns into a revelation for those that seek, those that knock, and those that want to know. Because it, it sometimes goes like this. You can get a glimpse of a vision. You can get a glimpse of a dream. You can get a partial prophecy. You can get a mystery um, of something that the father wants you to teach, but it's only those that actually seek these things out that actually get the revelation behind the mystery that was given. Amen. So what is a mystery? First thing, a mystery is a hidden or secret thing that is not obvious to your understanding. So you don't you don't know why the father showed you this. You don't know why you're drawn into a book. You don't know why you feel like you need to speak to a friend about something. You don't know why. It's a mystery. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Be- it's it's your your mind won't even understand. Like why well, I just came in here in the gas station for some skittles and why am i being drawn over here to this woman who is on crutches is a mystery you know so guess what okay you start walking around the store looking crazy probably like you start speaking in tongue lord what you want me to do like you know you want me to tell her a word you want me to lay hands on her you want to give me a word but you're stewarding it because you're asking for more because it's a mystery so let me give you some examples. First thing, it was a mystery when Ezekiel saw the wheel inside of the wheel. That was a total mystery. He didn't know what he was looking at until what? It was revealed to him. When Zechariah saw what? The winged creatures, that was a mystery. He didn't know what that mean. All these winged creatures that got eyes on the, on the wings and all these other things. That was a mystery. When John saw all of these visions in the book of Revelations, those things were mysteries. When Daniel had visions and dreams, these things were mysteries that needed to be revealed. So all these things were not just understood 
by the human mind. Okay? Either in all of these situations, you have to understand that either the angels or the Holy Spirit or both are working in unison. Either the angels or the Holy Spirit had to come in most cases in order to release the revelation that was given. The other thing is that Jesus spoke in parables to his disciples and then he would explain them to them, but not to the masses. He says, having eyes, they do not see, having ears, they do not hear. But as children of God, we do have eyes to see and we do have ears that do hear. So God wants to reveal the mysteries, but not many of us want to pursue what those mysteries mean. So when we talk about stewarding the mysteries of God, there's a pursuit, there's a relentless pursuit after those things so that he can give you the wisdom and the knowledge behind that mystery because this, that's how he works. He wants to know do you real, how bad do you really want not only an answer to the mystery, but how bad do you really want this relationship? Amen? So... Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you are having more visions, having more dreams, having more words? I know it's like an overflow <laughs> of encounters, okay? <laughs> Amen, as, as well as myself. <laughs> so um, understand that um, what you study, okay? Let me, I'm going to say this slowly. What you study and give yourself over to, more will be given to you. Okay, the father is not going to continue to release these dreams and these visions and these words and these 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 prophecies and and continue to tell you to evangelize this person. If you're not doing what he said to do with the portion he gave you in the first place. So you have to steward the mystery so more can be given to you. Amen. Now, mysteries are also given only first, as I said, to those that initiate the act, seek, knock. That's who it's given to. And it's not given to ordinary mortals. So you got to know that. He, he's not just like he didn't talk to the masses. He's not giving his mysteries to ordinary mortals. He's not casting his, 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 his wisdom before people that's going to trample over them. Okay? Now... Mysteries are therefore for all children, but all children must seek what they mean. These mysteries mean. So I have an example for you. Um, during the shutdown of the uh, prophetic, I had this dream. Was it definitely a mystery? It sure was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a total mystery, but revelation did come. It was a, it's in majority, I say about 95% of my dreams, I'm either looking through a glass door at something, I'm looking through a big window at something, or I'm looking afar off at something. And basically what that means is that, um, it's just, um, it's like a, a confirmation of my prophetic office, of me looking pretty much in the spirit, looking through the eyes of Christ, looking through the door, you know, which he is the door, um, looking afar off. That's like prophetic um, prophetic sight as far as looking afar. It's like an eagle's eye to look afar off. 
And so in this particular dream, I was doing just that. I was looking afar off, and in the place where I was looking, it was a gym. And it's actually the, like the gym that we work out at. And in the front of the gym were these two women. They were kind of, I guess, at the brink of actually girls. They were acting like girls, but they actually were women. It were just two women. I didn't know them. And <laughs> this, this is just crazy. And so I seen them in front of the gym. Then all of a sudden in this dream, a portal opened up in the dream at the gym. <laughs> In the parking lot, a portal opened up, and all of these cars, all of these these brand spanking new car cars, they were fully equipped. All of these cars started coming out this portal. They were just shooting out the portal, shooting out the portal, shooting out the portal. Now, remember, all of these cars fully equipped with all the bells and whistles, all different types of cars. They were just shooting out of this portal, shooting out, shooting out, shooting out. And he was, it was like, um, the father was just, um, just different ministries were just being birthed. They were just shooting out with the full, just the equipping of all, like a whole bunch of ministries just being shot out in the spirit. And these two women, I'm still looking afar off. I see these two women, they start joyriding in these cars. And their purpose and their motive while they're, while they're, they're just, you know, they're just taking the, um, you can just start the car or whatever. Like they didn't have any kids or nothing. It was just starting the car. And their purpose behind actually taking these cars was to drive them and crash them. They didn't want them. They just wanted to drive the cars because they were brand new and they wanted to crash them into things. And so I'm standing back in the dream and I'm like, what is, what is going on? And so in the dream, I started walking towards them to see like what's going on. And so as I'm walking in the dream, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me in the dream, he tells me, um, you have, he tells me you have paid the price for one of these cars. And so I'm like, okay, you know, but I'm still got my eyes on them. Like what they doing? And so, uh, it's so crazy, probably from here all the way to where Apostle Hardy is, um, it's like the father opened up my ability to hear what they were talking about, even though they were far away from me. So I can actually hear their thoughts as I'm walking over to them. And I hear them discussing within their mind, they were talking about a particular car that came out of that portal and they were arguing about the car and one of the women was saying you know this this that's my car like don't nobody touch it like she was like giving you no know, claiming dibs on the car that's not you know doctoral language but hey there you have it <laughs> they were claiming dibs on the car and I, when I walk, as I'm walking over to them, as I get closer and closer and closer to them, because my thing was, I didn't want none of the cars. I just wanted to see what was going on. But as I got closer to them, a set of keys just appeared in my hand. And I'm like, okay. So I get up to them. And before I can open up my mouth and say anything, the one who I heard her thoughts say that was my car, she immediately said to me when I walked up to her, she immediately said, that's my car over there. Now, the car that she was claiming was 
the car that I had, the keys, I had, you know, I had the keys to that car. And I was thinking to myself, okay, and it was kind of crazy because I'm thinking to myself, should I say something to her because I got the keys? And then the Holy Spirit began to speak in the dream. He told me, he says, don't contend with her. And I said, okay. And then in the dream, he told me not only to contend with her, he said, but say this to her. I said, okay. So I repeated what he told me. And I said, well, if the car belongs to you, it belongs to you. And I, be, I just walked away. And as I was walking away, the Holy Spirit told me in that dream that you never have to contend with anybody when you have the keys. <laughs> so, indeed, it started off as a mystery. But he was just letting me know and, and pretty much confirming and giving me the confidence. Actually, like how, how can, he can give you anything. And I'm learning that the father can impart anything to you in a dream. You can receive an impartation in a dream. And it was like he was imparting courage into me that, look, you don't have to worry about uh, uh, on anybody stealing anything that I'm giving you because if I've given you the keys, if I've given you the authority, if and plus he told me that the the cars, the car that he gave me before I was walking over, he told me you paid the price for it. It's paid. You paid for that car. You literally paid the price for that car, and that's why the keys end up being in my hand because I paid the price for it. So he was confirming and he also giving me the courage that not only did you pay the price for the car, but I gave you the authority and the keys for the car so you never have to fuss about anything that I've given you. It belongs to you. Amen? Amen. But it started off as a mystery. <laughs> Amen. Now, the last one in this one, uh, particular stewarding, the mysteries of the father is, is coming out of Proverbs 25 and 2. Proverbs 25 and 2. And it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to investigate a matter. So, we got the glory from the father, meaning it's part of his glory, it's part of his honor, it's part of his riches, it's part of his splendor. It's part of his reputation to hide things from his children. It's part of his glory. That's part of the glory of God to hide stuff from you. But your personal glory, your glory comes when you search the mystery out. When you search the mystery out, when you examine it, when you ascertain it, meaning that now not only have you been studying it, but now the word has become one with you and you have investigated the matter to the point where you have now received the revelation that becomes a part of your glory because you sought the matter out. It was his glory to hide it from you. And then it turned, you turned, um, you received glory when you sought it out. Amen. All right. Now this is the last one. I'm record time, breaking time. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm doing good. The last one, steward the use of his gift towards you. 
stewarding the use of his gift towards you. Now, why is this important? Because we have to remember that these are his gifts, not ours. Not only is it his gifts, but we are the overseers of what he has given us, whether, whether it be the blessings of God, whether it be the favor of God, whether it be just receiving Christ and his character. We are the stewards of everything that has been given unto us. We literally came in the world with nothing. We're going out of the world with nothing. So every single thing that you have was given to you. So, well, on top of that, I guess I have to add, is that not only is all the gifts given to you, but you don't even belong to yourself anymore. (laughs) Because what? A price was paid for you. A down payment was put down for you. So you don't even belong to yourself no more. So not only are these his gifts, but if you're in Christ, you belong to him. He is what? Lord of lords. So everything belongs to him. What did he say? The earth and the fullness thereof. It says what? The silver is his. The gold is his. We are his. The kingdom belongs to him. All the power belongs to him. If someone has a position of power, it was given to them by the father. The glory belongs to him. He gives us these things to steward because the things he gives are what? Expressions of his heart towards his children. So we have to steward the expressions of the father's heart so that others can see Christ in us when we begin to flow and move in our teaching, in our evangelizing, in our prophesying, and our ability to see in the spirit. Amen? Last scripture is lengthy but necessary. Matthew 25 14 through 30. And it's a frequent flyer. We use it often. (laughs) And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from this trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. 
the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest off of it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who, who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do not, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, why am I using this? I guess I did have um, two more scriptures after this. First reason that the father won't give you more, number one, that you can handle. He gave all the servants the money, it says, as their ability, their ability actually to handle it. So if he has given you several different gifts, he knows that you can handle that. He gives you according to what you can handle. He gave every single man according to how he fashioned him, according to how he made them, and according to how he designed for him to use it, they had the ability to do it according to the measure that not only he gave them, but the abilities that he placed in them to do it. So if you do have a gift, you have the ability to do it. No matter how many you have, some will have more than others. But the number that he gives, however many gifts that he allows you to operate in, is because you have the ability, what? To handle it. Amen? The second thing that I want to point out in the scripture is that the one with, um, the, he gave the, what was it, one bag of silver? The one that he gave one back from, look at what he said. He said he hid it because he was afraid. So he allowed fear to snuff his gift out. He allowed fear to not allow him to get an interest off of what the father had given him. So that should be a learning lesson for us, like I was telling you before. Just be obedient. Don't be afraid to say what the father told you to say. Don't allow fear to snuff out what you, you're supposed to say to somebody or you're supposed to evangelize or fear of the fact that this is a new teaching and I've never heard it before. Amen. 
Because fear is the one thing that prevents people from what? Releasing the gifts so the father can get what? An increase off of that. He gets an increase off of it when you move in your giftings. Because what? One waters and one plants. (laughs) And then he gets what? The increase. Now, it might have been Serena who um, evangelized and spoke to the person and got the person here to church, but it might have been Chris who prophesied to the person about something that is to come. So one planted, one watered, but then the father turns around and get the increase because that what you did and what you did changed the person's life. And so now the father can use that person because he used her to help get that person in the family of God. They gave their life to Christ. Then he uses Chris in the same manner to prophesy over the person. So the father got the increase for it. Amen. So in the above scripture, the master called the servant slothful. So in the Greek, this means backwards. It means sluggish. So there is a spiritual truth that is not talked about. And that is if you won't use the gift he gave you, then guess what? He'll get, he'll take it away. Just like don't let people lie to you say, Lord, no, take gifts away. Yes, he do. Because <laughs> it says so right here. What did he do? He took away what he gave to the one And he gave it to the one he gave five to. So if you don't use the gift, he will either do two things. He will take it away and give it to someone who is using their gifts already. Or it will be a dry season for you. Because you're not operating in your gift. Because your gifts and calling do come without repentance. But if you won't use the gift, he doesn't mind passing you by. He doesn't mind closing doors of opportunity because you won't use it. So, in all things, whatever gifting he has given unto you, whatever gifts, whatever talents, Like I say, use it not only unto him, but just like I say, give yourself even like I say, the grace and the measure to just grow in that gifting. Because sometimes people don't even know how like they have a gift or people don't know how to use their gift or how to operate in their gift. So that's why I say that's where that space is for growth, for grace. But don't get to the point where you just don't use it. Because I'm telling you, I've done this before in the beginning of the father just kind of building me up in my gifts. Um, when it was just being, you know, exercised and sharpened and stuff like that. I have just, I was so afraid in the beginning when I just started finding out what my gifts was to say anything, to prophesy to anybody that I wouldn't say anything. Because I'm like, I'm not going to say this to this woman. This woman don't know me. She's going to look at me crazy. And so I allowed fear to kind of kind of stifle me and I wouldn't say nothing I would go to the car and I just feel like this heaviness upon me like like the father was saying you know you're supposed to say that 
You knew you were supposed to give that word to that woman. You knew you were supposed to tell that man, you know, don't go on that trip. You knew, I told you to say it and you didn't say it. And it's like this, this, this darkness, this heavy cloud that comes upon you that it's like, you know, like, ah, I messed up. (laughs) But like I say, there's the grace to grow into that. I didn't continue with that. But he, like I say, I did eventually come out of that because I got tired. How I came out of it, I got tired of feeling that feeling. I just got tired of feeling the feeling. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to do it anyway because either I feel this or I feel relief when it just come out. Because that's how you feel like, I said it, I did it. I did my part, Lord. (laughs) So that's how it starts off sometimes. Like, oh, I did it. I did it. But as you grow in it and as you begin to do it, it becomes more familiar to to you. Amen? Amen. So I don't want to scare you. But I, what I am saying is that you'll get another chance. It's like when you miss the bus, there's another bus that's going to come by to pick you up. You'll get another chance to do it, but you got to know if you, if you're not operating in it, you're not using it, you're not trying to sharpen it, you're not trying to study anything about your gifts, okay, it's going to dry up. And he's going to use somebody else. And I've had that happen too. I had a word I'm supposed to give. I didn't say nothing. I sat there and then all of a sudden somebody else got up and said the same word I was supposed to say. I was like, I'm going to say that. I should have said it. (laughs) And that happens. Because he's like, I need, I need this to get out. I need, in situations like that, that's like a 911 situation in the spirit. Like, this person really needs this word. And so, like, you're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. You're like, I should say something, but I'm scared. I don't want to get up. And, and this is, and, and he's like, somebody just come right, right around and say, oh, I got a word for Jennifer. And they start saying, you're like, oh, that was my word. <laughs> so, like, that's why I say, You'll get another chance because <laughs> he'll drop something else on you. But you got to wait for that next bus to come because you missed your opportunity. Amen? Amen. So let's see. I had two more scriptures. I thought I had one more, but I had two more scriptures. First Timothy 4 and 14. First Timothy 4 and 14. Talking about stewarding the use of his gift Towards us, meaning that he's the one who gives all the gifts. And it says, do not neglect, keyword, neglect. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So what is he saying? Don't neglect your gift. That means you have to feed it. You have to feed your gift. You have to exercise your gift. You have to fine-tune your gift. You have to read books about your gift. He says, do not neglect your gift. The gift have to be sharpened. Amen? Because the Father is not going to keep giving you more dreams, more visions, more words of prophecy, more revelation if you're not doing, like I say, nothing with what he's giving you in the first place. He told you that you were a pastor, 
but you ain't seeking nothing about pastoral ship. You're not even seeking what that means. You're not seeking what the what the office of that looks like. You're not trying to come um, under somebody as a mentor so you can get a better understanding of what that even looks like because you've never done it before. So there's there's several different ways to do that. The other thing is that most of the time the Father will not give you everything all at once in regards to revelation because he wants you to press into what was given to you in the first place. So this is a part of stewarding your gift, which is pressing into the understanding of the revelation because it's about the relationship. So you're going to have to press into this thing and say, okay, Father, you call me to do this. Okay, Father, you have given me this gift, Father. And and that's really a lot um what actually I did as far as, um when for instance, when I went to the Father about being able to see. I mean, not see, but being, even though we're doing sight, being able to hear. I was having a problem in my first part of my Christian walk, hearing the Father. So I would go to him, and I literally would tell him, I need to be able to hear you. I need you to help me hear better. And so he would set up these different scenarios and stuff and different tests and stuff for me to be able, like my husband will say something, and he had just told me like an hour ago about something, and he'll say something. And so that's like a confirmation of, okay, I'm trying to help you hear me better. But you have to go to the Father and ask him, like, you know, if 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 you are, uh, he called you to be an intercessor, then that's something that you should be seeking out. What does intercession mean? You you know, looking at some people that actually, you know, are, are walking in um, that calling as far as intercession and those that do a great job. Books on intercession, prayers on intercession. Because all of this helps, you know, conferences on intercessions. All of this is helping to sharpen the gift. Now, of course, with some of this stuff, you got to eat the meat and throw away the bones. Because some of it is totally religious. So you got to try it by the spirit. Because <laughs> all things are not good for you. <laughs> Amen. Because everybody don't have the same heart and everybody's not led by the same spirit. <laughs> Amen. So definitely have the let your gift of discernment kick on to discern if this be of God or not. Amen. And the last one is Luke 16 and 1. Luke 16 and 1. And it says, now Jesus was also saying to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate and accusations against this man were brought to him that this man was squandering his master's possessions. So we don't want to waste our spiritual possessions as children. He expects us to steward them. You don't want to be wasteful in what he has given you. And really, like I said, that is what everything and anything. It's not just, like I say, even though we're talking about your sight, but it's not just for your sight, it's for all your gifts, every blessing that he has given unto you, you do not want to squander these things. So you have the ability to see, okay? The one who knows and sees all things, what? He lives in you, literally. And he desires to do what? Open your eyes to the things that you have never seen 
before. Just like when I was teaching about, um, you know, the languages of the Father and the prophetic culture, I was telling you that, you know, there are those that carry the office of a prophet, but, but that does not mean that you cannot prophesy as a child of God. You still have the ability to prophesy even though you don't carry the office. And you have the ability to do it through the sharpening of your ability to, because all prophecy is that you hear the Father. You hear what he says and you say what he says. It's that simple. So you, you, and just like the ability to hear and to prophesy, you may not be, have the gift to see, for instance, like a seer, like for instance, prophet Q, he sees several stuff in the spirit. My son sees several things in the spirit, but that doesn't mean you, you can't see several things in the spirit too. They have just been given a gift, but you can tap into the ability to see because it was something that Adam had in the beginning and he lost it because it says that his spiritual eyes closed. But once Christ came and he redeemed everything that Adam lost, that was part of the redemption that you gained your sight back. Amen. So sight is not just for a select few of people. Okay. It's not just for these elite people that, you know, they, you know, they come in here with these big robes and stuff like that. No sight is for all the children. All children can see in the spirit. Amen. So it's just one of those things that we have to, in regards to this message, we have to steward our personal life. We have to steward our eye gates. We have to steward our intimacy with the Father. We have to steward the revelations he gives to us, the mysteries that he gives to us, the gifts that he gives to us, so that we are not disqualified when he begins to use us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for, Father, this message. We ask, Father, that you help us steward everything that you have given.